third and final session now on 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. Let's get it in front of us here. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, under compulsion, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, key statement. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, like all that giving right there. Every kind of giving that he expects you to have, you'll abound for it. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for, the, for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Father, as we look one last time at these arguments for our joy in giving, would you awaken the joy just like Paul intends for his words to do? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to remind us that this statement, God loves a cheerful giver, in its context, implied that Christian ethics never means just do it. Have you heard people say, just give? It's a duty to give generously. Give, and it doesn't matter how you feel. This text contradicts that. God loves a cheerful giver, not just a giver. So it matters what the heart in his heart, as he has decided in his heart. That's this cheerfulness right here. That's one of the crucial things we saw. Christian ethics is never just do it. Secondly, we saw that implies all the commands of the New Testament, which are all forms of love or giving, are really commands to Delight in God, find joy in God, hope in God, be a cheerful person because God doesn't want mere willpower, obedience, acts of love, giving. He wants cheerful, joyful, hopeful, not begrudging, giving, obedience, love. So it's not surprising, is it, that in this entire passage, there's only one imperative, namely, right there. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, that is, cheerfully. One command, give cheerfully from the heart, not reluctantly. That's the one command. Well, what's all the rest of this stuff? <laughs> you know what it is? Help for cheer. It's all motivation. That's the way the New Testament is written. We get commandments all over the New Testament, but they're not just do it. God is God. Shut your mouth and obey. It's never like that. It's always reason, reason, reason. So let's, uh, let's look at the rest of the text and see the reasons. So here we are. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the argument there is you can do this. You can be happy in giving because God's not going to leave you to yourself. He's going to make all grace and it will be grace. You don't deserve it. All grace is going to abound. You're going to have the sufficiency you need. It's going to be all the time. I mean, in all things, at all times, for every good work. You will never be called upon to do one of these giving, sacrificial, generous works for which there is not an abounding in what God has supplied. If you don't have any money, he doesn't expect you to give a lot of money. (laughs) And so on. He will supply what you need in order to do the kind of giving. But he always wants it to be cheerful. Then verse 9, as it is written, and in Psalm 112, verse 9, you know, you can tell, this is a, a man, not God. It sounds like God in the context, but this is a man. Just read it in context of the Old Testament. For the generous man has distributed freely. He has done this. That's what This is the man that's representing this cheerful giving. He has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. And the promise is this righteousness that he's manifesting has forever consequences. So be really, really happy because when you give like that, distributing freely, giving to the poor, there is reward laid up for you in heaven. Your righteousness endures forever. Like Jesus said, you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Here's the next argument. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower. This is God because it's a quote from Isaiah 55:10. It says, God, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, (laughs) right? You're going to have all the sufficiency you need, all the seed you need for every good work, for sowing. And And he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. If you do the right thing by sowing your seed, and doing the good works cheerfully, there's coming a harvest of great blessing to you. doesn't mean you'll get rich. We're not prosperity preachers. It means you'll have what you need to do the, the good that God's calling you to do. Last argument. You will be, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. Same argument, right? You're going to have seed for sowing. You're going to have sufficiency for good deeds. You're going to have enrichment for generosity in every way, and that is going to lead to thanksgiving to God. So let's let's get rid of this scratchy mess I've got on here and just circle the bounty of God. God is able to make all grace abound to you. He supplies seed to the sower. He supplies bread for food. He will supply and multiply your seed. 
you will be enriched in every way. And then let's change colors, use green. And what is the effect of that? So that having all sufficiency, you will abound in every good work. You will be a cheerful giver. This supply of seed and bread and food and supply of seed here is for sowing and for the increase of the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every, in every way to be generous. So you see the point. God gives so we will give and give cheerfully. And we can be cheerful precisely, Paul says, because of those amazing promises of supply and sufficiency. Let me draw this for you in a way that I think uh, is really, really important. So here's our hearts. And this text is all about giving to others, being lavishly generous, right? He distributed freely. He has given to the poor, giving to others. But what makes the text possible, what makes this possible and cheerful is that God is up here and he is giving like this. So God is giving to us and we are giving. And here's the amazing thing. I believe that this juncture right here this constant outflow to others, bless, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this constant inflow of God's supply and God's riches to us creates precisely what is his glory and our joy. I think this is the key to the Christian life. This is the most beautiful, beautiful thing. This is what distinguishes us from mere philanthropists. We give, but we don't give in our own strength or with our own supply. We give because God is constantly being poured out with his riches into our lives. And that's the point in our hearts right there. That coming together of God's bountiful self by his spirit and our generosity and giving of others. And this, this may be a very little bit because we're poor, or it may be huge because we're rich. That's not the point. That's not where joy resides. Joy doesn't come from how little or how much we give. Joy comes from this, this impulse that has been created in our hearts to be for others because God has become for us.